Now back on dry land after Lake Tahoe and the experience of the two outdoor games. This is Ingold Radio, the podcast, uh, with a solid footing around the National Hockey League. And we're seeing some great goaltending performances across the board. Also, uh, congratulations. The Western Hockey League looks like it's going to be up and running in a couple of weeks. So that is some great news there. Still some questions whether the Ontario Hockey League will get uh, going. But uh, a little bit of progress uh, as we work our way towards uh, the month of March. And I am Darren Millard, joined by the co-founders of Ingoal Magazine, as usual, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. And guys, we saw a great week by the old guys, wasn't it? Like between Marc-Andre Fleury and Henrik Lundqvist. How about the return? Let's start there with Henrik Lundqvist back on the ice. I wasn't sure we'd ever see this again. And it's given me a little bit of boost of optimism that Henrik Lundqvist might try and play again, Woody. Like the whole goalie union smiled when he released mm-hmm. that video. Like, like we're not supposed to fanboy, but I will fanboy over Henrik Lundqvist. Like, a he's been really good to us, but just such a treat to watch. So, and you can like he you can the passion he has for this position and playing it just exudes from him. So seeing him back on the ice, like. I just felt like a kid. Like I just, it was warm fuzzies all around. It was just really good to see. And whether we get to see it in the NHL or not, um, you know, things are, it looks like things are going to be okay for him. I mean, hockey, I hope he gets back because his passion is missed. uh, And I want to see him playing again, but just the fact he's able to get on the ice, what a, what a great start. And I pretty much made my, I was going to say day, week, month, just seeing him skating again. It was awesome. The miracle of modern medical science. Open heart surgery to back on the ice. And he wasn't gingerly skating around there. That looked like a midseason practice to me, guys. Uh, you know, it sure sounded like it was going to be a minimum year when we heard he was having open heart surgery. And here, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see him back on the ice playing before the end of the season the way that workout looked. I mean, it's uh, it's just super exciting to see see what's going on now. 47 days between uh, the surgery and being back on the ice. It's incredible. Now, think back. What, how, how many times it have really you guys is. worked out? What have you done in 47 days uh, that's, uh, that could potentially uh, compare to what Henrik Lundqvist has done? Nothing. I don't know. If I, if I do five push-ups. <laughs> okay. I, I've gone through th- 47 game, 47 day stretches where I probably gained enough weight to go the other direction. <laughs> And that that's just a, yeah, such that's a compliment. And, th- and then you've got Marc-Andre Fleury uh, doing what he's doing, uh, taking the ball from Robin Leonard, who's out with the injury, and just ripping up the National Hockey League. A couple of shutouts in that high-profile series against the Colorado Avalanche. He's changed his game. He's more uh, conservative inside the crease. And we're seeing some severe uh, performance uh, backup uh, from the analytics part of it. Uh, to the uh, the eye test, Woody. Oh, absolutely. Like, uh, not that I jinxed Andre Vasilevsky when I handed him the Vesna here a couple of weeks ago, like Hutch thinks I did, because <laughs> Andre is still number two in the league. But number one with a bullet, when I take a look at ClearSight Analytics' uh, website right now in terms of goal differential, which is kind of how many goals has he saved relative to expected when, when you look at shot quality and, and defensive environment, like weighing that with 34 points of data per shot like no other company does, Marc-Andre Fleury, number one with a bullet, almost 14 goals saved on just 250 chances. Like Vasilevsky's number two at nine, and he's, he's had 100 more chances. Like that's, 
That is a remarkable run, and it's certainly given him a head start on the Vesna. We'll see um, you know, where he ends up in terms of uh, games played when, when Laner gets back, but like, what a great story. Um, and, you know, interesting, like, guys, looking at this list, uh, I mentioned Vasilevsky too. Jordan Bennington, number three, another guy who a lot of the times we've had articles on this at Ingle Premium using these analytics. Uh, you know, Jordan Bennington last year, if you looked at his raw numbers, people were like, oh, like second year slump, not, I guess, technically sophomore slump after winning the cup. But when, because the narrative was they were so good defensively and his raw numbers should be better. But when you adjusted them, the narrative that was wrong there is that they were great defensively. They weren't, and he was holding them up, and he's doing it again this year. He's third. Cal Peterson, friend of the show, a previous guest, uh, and a guy that I had tagged for a breakout this year, despite having sort of Jonathan Quick as a ceiling above him uh, in terms of games played. He's fourth. And our guest today, Laurent Brassois, uh, almost seven goals saved on just 121 21 chances with the Winnipeg Jets already. As a remarkable start for LB, and we'll have a chance to talk to him about, you know, sort of where he's at with the foundation of his game and how it's allowing to him to have success later on in this episode. Hutch, uh, how long into the season before you have to really put Mark Andre Fleury as a series contender for a Vezina Trophy? Well, you know, I sent you a note a week and a half or two ago saying I thought he was a contender, so pretty early into the season, and my rationale there was that you know we've had years where it's felt like a bit of a career honor as much as a current year honor where the gms love to to reward somebody for long time success and if anybody's due for that it's uh, mark andre fleury obviously backed up with this year's performances as well and that's why i felt even though he hadn't played a ton of games at that point and sharing the load with robin laner didn't look like he was going to be able to get in the number of games that you might traditionally expect uh, i still thought that there was a chance that the GMs might lead lean that way when when the time comes. So I'm hoping that's still the case. Woody, I'm curious as you're talking about the advanced stats there. Is there any way to translate that number of goals saved to points in the standings to wins? Does anybody ever try and see what that might mean to a team? Top of my head, there is like uh, X number of goals saved, you know, translates to wins. I want to say it's something like four, like every four is like just a goaltender win. But really the other stat, and I don't have it in front of me right now, is sort of stolen wins. Like when you exceed mm -hmm. expectations by more than a goal right. in a single game, it's classified as a stolen win. And we used to talk about how Jacob Markstrom led that category last year, as well as being second only to Hellebuck and goal saved and how he should have been a part of the Vesna conversation. So I'll have to have a look at that one for, for next week on Marc-Andre Fleury. Don't have it up in front of me right now, but um, certainly, you know, watching like a couple of those, Darren, like it's not just that he gets a shutout. It's a one nothing shutout. So, you know, clearly playing a big role in the, in the win results as well. You know, forget the Vesna because listen, outside of games played two years ago, he should have been in this conversation as well. Like since he's got to Vegas outside of last year, He's been in that conversation, just games played have prevented him from, from being a finalist. With a run like that over this time frame, what are we talking about in terms of the Olympics and Team Canada? And I think that gets overlooked. And you know, it's easy to look at this as a blip. But again, over the last, since he arrived in Vegas over four years, and you mentioned some of the changes this year, Darren, I thought last year he started to color outside the lines a little bit and play a little bit aggressively and get caught with that sometimes. Now that he's back playing more contained and yet still unpredictable on his posts, we've seen some, you know, he's not doing the same thing every time. Like 
you know, really as the game changes, flowers changing with it. And, you know, I don't, I don't think that's, you know, it's early. Yes. But I think that's a fair conversation to have. I think he's in that conversation. If, if you were picking a team right now, um, you know, in all fairness, he should be, he absolutely should be in that conversation. It's early, but really when you take into account a 56 game schedule, you're, you're approaching where you'd be sort of halfway through, uh, an 82 game uh, campaign. So We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, this is uh, Ingle Radio, the podcast presented by The Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports Surrey, and where they keep you up to date even through a year-long pandemic, Woody. Well, speaking of evolutions, we are on the eve of the new stuff. Like, by this time next week, when we have the next episode of the podcast, you will have some early looks at the latest from CCM, the Eflex 5 line. And there's no better place to go to find your early looks than thehockeyshop.com and the hockey shop source for sports in Surrey when it's time to sort of actually get hands on and feel and touch and see how this product is going to fit your game. They'll have all the latest and greatest in stock. And in the meantime, don't hesitate to go there and save a little money on last year's items. If there's some things you've been looking at where you don't expect big changes, pants, chest protectors, pants, uh, sorry, pants, chest protectors, pants. Yeah. Good job, Kev. Pants, chest protectors, and, and, and say sticks, or like we're going to talk about today, jocks, always important. You can save 20% off on a lot of the merchandise. If it's not on sale, uh, use the InGoal20 promo code to get yourself 20% off anyway. So make sure you check them out, The Hockey Shop and thehockeyshop.com. There's a reason it's where we shop for our goalie stuff, and it's where you should too. Uh, the new stuff is coming up, and uh, we have a new set for Laurent Brossois, a brand new uh, look uh, for him going with the with the dark uh, uh, pads and the gloves, and it's, uh, it's rock star stuff. Really pops out at you, and we'll chat with uh, Laurent Brossois in just a little bit in our feature interview brought to you by Sense Arena VR. Sense Arena bringing bring you the feature interview every week on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Hey, are we seeing a tandem in Florida right now where we didn't really expect one? A couple of years ago, Chris Dreger's kind of forced his way into that conversation, eh? Um, I mean, just rocking along with like I think last I checked, like a nine thirty, um, playing really well. I kind of there's a juxtaposition there for sure when you look at him at you know on an eight hundred and fifty thousand dollar a year contract, and you know everybody's going to talk about Bob on a ten million dollar contract with lesser numbers, but at the end of the day, Bob's gotten some wins too. So certainly, uh, Chris has earned that time. He's showing that last year's 938 in a small sample size wasn't a fluke. Um, and, you know, interestingly enough, like I'd highly recommend folks, uh, we had him on the pod during the, the break between the bubble. And I went back and listened to it. And it is an hour of goalie goodness. And when you listen to it, you will know why Chris Dreger is doing what he's doing right now, not just in terms of the career path, but the adjustments he's made on the ice and maybe even more so off the ice in terms of his mentality and work ethic and things like that. Uh, things that he recognized early in his career, maybe weren't, you know, you always think you're working hard, but you know, there was a moment there where he realized it wasn't as hard as he could. So good on him. And I'd highly recommend sort of going back into the archives and digging that up if you haven't already, because it was a great listen to, to get to spend that much time with him earlier in the summer. And now that we see him having this success again, uh, a worthwhile revisit as well. Hutch, I don't do that enough. Go back and listen to, to previous episodes. That's, that's a great reminder, Woody. And I think we need to start sharing some of them over at Premium just to remind people of all the great stuff that's there. 107, 108 episodes today of incredible content. And uh, definitely encourage people to go back. Chris Dreger's a UFA after this year, guys. 
Oh yeah, he's he's handing himself a nice ticket. And I should say, hashtag nice, it was episode 69 for Chris Teacher. I was going to ask Hutch, because he's our go-to guy for all that stuff, and I thought, that's not fair to just put him on the spot and, and throw him. For once, I bit my tongue. I know. Usually, I, I, I jump at those opportunities. But uh, So episode 69 with Chris Drager. Uh, the feature interview uh, coming up in just a little bit. Uh, we also have a, a conversation with Adam Francilia from the San Jose Sharks and our gear segment uh, discussing jocks and jills. But uh, Ken Dryden penned a very long, extensive, uh, detailed essay a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it has received uh, plenty of publicity, and we have not a response, but certainly uh, paying some attention to it uh, from the in-goal standpoint, Hutch. Yeah, and uh, Paul Campbell, who's been working with us for many years now, has written some of the most insightful stuff we uh, we have over at InGoal. He is an incredibly well-thought and well-spoken individual, and he he dives into the details of the game um, like no other, except uh, except Woody, of course. And his ability to share his thoughts is is well-received by everybody. So uh, when he had a series of tweets in response to Dryden's article... We just reached out and said, hey, Paul, how about we, we expand on this a little bit and share all your thoughts with, uh, with our members? So he did that, and we published it this week. Um, you know, reading the article, I was really excited when I saw it because, as you know, Dryden's sort of my hero growing up. He's the guy that made me want to be a goaltender, and, uh, and he is so well thought himself and so well spoken. I, I, I love his writing, but, you know, it just sort of seemed like the article was... I think as Woody put it, about five years behind the times. He he had the game right at the time, but so much has changed. And for me, that comment that that a goaltender could really spend the entire game on his knees and only got up because because of appearances was, you know, a little bit well, it was just flat out wrong because we see the game has become an east west game. We see the game has become where mobility and skating skill is so important for goaltenders now. And there's just no way you could live on your knees and and all his comments about about equipment you're, you're taking him um, very very literally and i and i don't think he ever but, but you know that. what i don't think he did except that he kept playing on it you know if he just said it once and threw it away i maybe but and and of course maybe not completely literally but he kept coming back to it now more than ever um that mobility is more and more important so it just was out of touch i thought Certainly there was a time that you could be a big blocking goaltender and thrive on that, even though, of course, you got to your feet from time to time. But but more than ever, that mobility is just vital in the game today. And I think you just missed the mark. And that was really unfortunate because here's a guy who's so well-respected in the game and people listen to him. And so if he doesn't see what's going on now, that I, I don't think that bodes well for all of us. And I and I feel badly about that. We should be careful not to to gang up on somebody or people who criticize the position or the way it's played. Like every, there's an ounce of truth and something that we can take from, from everything. Absolutely. And listen, so, and I, I'm kind of with Hutch on this one and I, and I, and I cringe to do it because like hero status and also a guy who like we've, there's been some personal interactions that show like he's as good a person as he is a thinker, right? So you don't want to be critical but at the same time, some of the points, when you really broke them down, it was hard not to. And, you know, one of them was just the concept of bigger goaltenders. And, and, and with broad strokes, it's right. But we've dug into this. Like, that bridge has been crossed. Goalies are actually getting smaller since 2013. The overall, like, yes, you've got your monsters. But success in the NHL isn't 
just height anymore. Like we're seeing that that sweet spot at 6'2", not 6'5". And yeah, we keep seeing 6'5 goaltenders. You see more of them because they get the benefit of the doubt and more opportunities because that narrative exists. And frankly, there are NHL teams that are behind on it because they're still drafting the 6'5", 6'6", and the guys having success are around 6'1", 6'2", because of the need to be mobile. And because of all the things he talks about with, you know, like this, just the game is about everybody collapsing in the net and throwing junk there and creating scrambles and, and broken plays. And there's still an element of that that he's correct about. But where we've seen offense change and why we've seen offense improve even slightly is because of lateral plays. Because the Penguins won back-to-back cups creating lateral offense and preventing it at the other end. Because the Washington Capitals directly looked at the numbers and created an attack that mimicked that and won a cup. Like, we are seeing dynamic offense that mandates goalies be able to move and skate. How many conversations have we had around the league with, not just with the goalies, but with the coaches in the past year about if you can't skate in this game, you can't play it. Now, some guys move as well on their knees as they do on their skates, sort of, almost, and they do spend more time there. And maybe some of the reverse VH stuff, how many times have we said, man, like, no need to be down in that early, but... At the end of the day, if you can't move, if you can't skate, you can't play in the game today, and that's a problem. I will give him some, some benefit of the doubt. He was wrong on the equipment rule changes in a couple of spots in terms of, he said, we should have leg pads that are mandated to match the height of the goaltender, and obviously we know in the goalie world that the NHL's already done that, but where he was correct and where I could excuse him maybe missing the fact they'd done that is sometimes it's freaking hard to tell. It's hard to tell that we've got a rule tying goalie leg length to pad height because goalies have found a way to shift the pads up their legs. And his idea of mandating a maximum thigh rise, even if you made it proportional, so that the top of the pad from the knee up like was mandated to only go so high, whereas guys have found ways to, to have their total height shifted up their legs so it looks higher. Hey, I'm all for that. And that's a really good point. It's actually something that I brought up back when they made the rule changes like, you might need to do this. So we, you don't want to be so defensive as a goalie union that you just throw out all complaints uh, and, and, and don't critically think about it. But I think what I loved about what Paul did is he, he went through each point in his counter argument and, and did critically think about it and responded, including the allowance that, hey, in terms of pad height, you might be right. Um, the other thing I'll throw out there, uh, I saw this from Rob uh, Gerson on uh, his hashtag or his uh, Twitter handle is at goalie underscore school, uh, a goalie coach um, that interacts with with Paul and with us on Twitter sometimes. Uh, he actually has a friend that was one of the testers when they did the taller nets. And the guy just absolutely got rocked in the mask the whole time through because he was he was taking them off the bean the whole way. Dryden's right about equipment, the mask, the chest protector, allowing for goalies to go down. Um, but at a time when we're worried about safety, I'm not sure we want to encourage more buzzing of the tower and shots off the mask. I happen to watch uh, Connor Hellebuck get blown up here uh, with a, with an Elias Pettersson one-timer just this week, and I, I, I couldn't frankly believe he walked away from it. Like The shots guys are taking as is are crazy. Uh, allow shooters to shoot another couple of inches higher and score, and we might get somebody killed, although people will say I'm being a hy- little hyperbole there, but not far off. Not far off, and I actually agree a hundred percent on that point. And I was I love seeing it this morning when when Rob made it on Twitter. I've said this for years about uh, about kids and a reason to have kids in smaller nets. And there's a lot of them, in my opinion. And I know some people disagree. Uh, when you're ten years old, your head's at the crossbar, and you're getting rocked all the time. 
And, uh, and so I can see that that would happen at the National Hockey League level as well. You know, one thing I really did like about Dryden's article, though, guys, um, was that concept of, of unintended consequences when you change things. And so the fact that things had changed in the game that merited a response in the offensive attack, whether we agree with him or not, I thought was, was really interesting. For me, though, you have to ask that question. Um, what's the most exciting play? And, and I think we want to encourage that. And the exciting play is not Guy Lafleur skating down the wing and taking a shot from the top of the circle that beats the helpless goaltender. I think the exciting play is the tic-tac-toe east-west play that we're seeing now that just sort of leaves your jaw dropping open. And so what can we do in the game to encourage that? And for me, that's give uh, players some time and space to operate. Yeah, that's that's key. Scoring to me, like goals are great, but so are scoring chances because great saves can be just as entertaining. And so if we force goalies to make great saves, we, we have to give them credit for being able to as well. And in speaking of unintended consequences, when the NHL reined in equipment size and pad size from 12 to 11 inches, not the 10 inches that, that he states in the article and reined in pad height and reined in. What did we hear? Like goalies got faster. They all talked about it. Equipment got smaller and they got faster. So when you talk about unintended consequences, I think you have to be careful because they, you know, they might not be what you were expecting if you change the game and making the net bigger and assuming that's going to reduce the amount of sort of traffic that clogs the front of the net uh, is an assumption that I, I'm not sure. I'm not saying I disagree with it, but I think it's a, it's a risky assumption to 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 make because anytime we've seen like take the coaches out of the game and you'll have all the offense you want. Just watch an all star game. Um, take the structure and the defensive structure out. Hey, <laughs> look at the Islanders when Doug Waite was coach. Um, no shortage of offense both ways there. Uh, you know so. I think that if you make the nets bigger, hell, hell, you could have coaches that are be like, God damn, we can't give up these goals. We need more collapsing. We need to get, we need taller defensemen to get in front of the net more now. So, um, you know, just assuming it will change because of bigger nets, I'm not sure is is necessarily correct. And you know, I'm not foreseeing more bad goals. I, I want to see more good offense. I have been a proponent to limit the number of coaches on the bench for a long time to two. I'll give you two coaches on the bench. That's it. Uh, and you can still have the same number of assistant coaches. And, and all my buddies who are coaches are going to be all over me here. You can still have all those coaches upstairs and they can talk to the players during the intermission and, and practice and prep. But you only have two coaches on the bench. It, it should lead to, to more offense. One thing uh, I do want to do, uh, I want us to start a YouTube channel and have this, this podcast on video. Just not, not to see our, our beautiful smiling faces, but just to see Hutch respond to when Woody's talking and it's either he's in agreement or he's like moving his head back and forth with a scrunched up face. And those two, those two images, the people deserve to see that. Yeah, but we don't want, we don't want them to see when he dozes off because I haven't stopped talking for half an hour. <laughs> well, and I was going to say, first off, Darren, we have a YouTube channel. Okay, well, just so no, you know. no, sorry, sorry, this podcast, like, I, I want to see I this know. podcast up on video. Fair I, enough. I, I misphrased that. I, I'll, I'll just be like the lawyer that turned his face into a cat so that people yes. don't have to see who the real me is. <laughs> I, I probably would do that. That's why I like to be behind the camera. No, I, I'm not disagreeing or agreeing with Woody. I'm just sort of, I'm a little slow processor and I've got a horrible memory. So Woody says something. I'm like, okay, now I know what I can add in that's got some value. Then he goes to point two. Then he goes to point three. I've now forgotten what I was going to say about point one. I'm trying to think up what I can say on point three. Now he's on point six. 
it's it's a eventually menti- i just i'm it's, lost listen i am like a human mental acuity test i like this is like brain training just trying to keep up with my random crap good I, point good i point. watch hutch and it's his not reactions. crap and it's not random it's solid woody i see hutch and his reactions and i'm reminded that uh, there's no way when you come to visit uh, las vegas i'm letting you anywhere near a poker table because you're you'd be like tells oh. all over the place yeah 100 percent. uh where do we find the uh the article by paul campbell ingolmag.com yeah yeah it's right up on the front and uh we encourage people to check it out there's lots of uh lots of great stuff there this week as always um more excerpts from justin goldman uh his book the power within uh power within two and mike valley as well his co-author uh with uh Noah Ratty. And uh, we've got a great new pro read with Eric Comrie, uh, who's not done pro reads with us before. Uh, Woody? We also have coming uh, a nice little drill with Lorem Brassois that is going to tie directly into a save that he made and our conversation here on the Ingle Radio podcast, which is coming up uh, here, here a little later on. We're going to turn that into a pro drills because it was just a fascinating watching him make a save then watching a drill that was the exact same situation and then finding out in our conversation that that's something they had been working on since giving up a similar goal early in the season so like it's one of those great moments where you're like wow like like you see this work with the goalie coaches and Wade Flaherty in Winnipeg and then you have you see a save made it was a hell of a save and then you talk to the goalie about the drill they do the next day that seems to me it's imitating. He's like, yeah, we've been working on it. And I don't make that save if not for that drill. And you see it all to come together like that. Uh, I'm putting together a piece that shows the drill, shows the save, adds their comments. It'll be up by the end of this week and, and tie all those things together so other goalies can see the drill and work on these same things, but also just see a real glimpse into how you know goalie coaching works. Like they're not just out there running random drills. They're working on things that are very specific to these guys' games. and. To see it pay off with a save, like like a five-bell power play save in a game they won, well, two-nothing, but was essentially a one-nothing game until an empty netter. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. You can listen to that uh, section of the interview when we bring you the uh, feature conversation on Ingle Radio, the podcast with Laurent Brossois, brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR, in just a little bit. And I can't wait to see that trade tree uh, that you're going to put together, or that uh, that goalie tree that, uh, that you're going to put together regarding... The, the thought process and everything that goes into the drill and then the save uh, from Laurent Brossois. But right now, let's head over to the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports, Surrey. Uh, some conversation about uh, one of the most important pieces of equipment, jocks and jills, as we send you over to Kevin Woodley and Cam Matwin. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're back down in Goalie Utopia, as we are every week with Cam Matwiv, playing a little dress-up, this time below the waist. This is like trying on a swimsuit as we get into jocks. This year is the latest, the greatest, how to keep everything that's important to you protected. Cam, we got six models here, including a Jill. Let's just walk through it real quick. When I first come into the store and say, Cam Matwiv, I need a can, what are you asking is this a try it on thing are there different specs different fits does pant integration matter walk me through the keys you know it's some things that often get glossed over there you did touch on which is actually quite important you know 
a jock just isn't a jock. You know, this is one you want to kind of pay attention to and invest some time in and also some money because it is worth it. Um, think from my own personal experience. So yes, there are some questions, you know, whether or not you do tuck in your chest protector or not, um, what size pants you're wearing, uh, what level of protection you're looking for. Are you looking for a single cup? Are you looking for a double cup? Um, a lot of guys in the NHL wear three cups. So they will wear what we would call a double cup, which is kind of like two cups in the goalie jock, but they will also put a traditional athletic cup, like in a tight jock strap, like you're, you know, as a kid, you're wearing a jock strap. They'll put one of those underneath and actually have three layers of protection. Correct. Does that matter? Like, do you have yes. to, do you have to consider whether you're wearing a cup underneath? Does that affect how these will fit? Yes, it does. And I actually, it, my own personal experience, that's something I do myself. Um, just even finding it, and even some days, like even that's not enough. Like it, uh, more is better, in my opinion, on this one. Um, again, personal preference does fall into line. Some things can feel a little bit bulkier than others, so you know it is worth it to get a little bit of feel. Um, that said, based off of kind of what you had in the past, you know, again, what your specific needs are and how much you're far playing, that does kind of negate, you know, where you should line up in terms of which one you should pick. Uh, that said, I mean. What I have on on myself. Um, we'll start. Brian Optic. Brian's Optic. Double cup protection. This one be one of the thicker, bigger ones um, that we do carry. This, along with the Von Ventus SLR that we have, uh, will be one of the bigger uh, options that we do have. Um, very protective. Both are double cup. Um, feature on the Vaughn, a little bit higher uh, up in terms of how much it covers at the gut. I'd say, especially for someone that doesn't tuck in their chest protector, that needs a little bit more of that overlap protection, something they can look into, whereas this uh, optic one is a bit lower cut in particular, uh, which will help to, you know, have that uh, chest still integrate with the pants without interfering at all. Both of them double cup. That's correct. Extra layers of protection are always a good thing. That's not our only double cup. We have one more true double cup, uh, the CCM Pro Jock. Something, again, that's a little bit lower profile. Great for that uh, chest integration and not having any uh, double up in terms of that coverage. Um, again, very protective. A little bit lower profile on the sides too, so it's not expanding out too, too much. Um, all of these are adjustable. Most of the uh, Velcro is hidden in the front with that waistband that can be tightened or loosened. Senior is one size. However, all the jocks do have, uh, we do have youth, we do have junior, intermediate, and senior sizes. Uh, within that, there's no subcategories to the sizing, so senior is one size fits all. Um, another example, uh, not quite a double cup, but gets kind of considered as. Um, this Bauer Supreme Jock always uh, been a very great option. Single cup, but that layer that comes in front has their pour-on uh, foam uh, material it features. And if there's ever an area you want to have impact-absorbing specialty foams in, this is it. That's definitely one you want to have, that's for sure. Uh, lots of extra wraparound protection, um, great overall fit. They use their, uh, their good material too, so it uh, tends to stay less smelly. So let, awesome. let's go with technically why this isn't a double cut. Like it's got a second layer of protection and it's a fairly rigid hard layer. Yes. But just because that isn't technically a, like an actual plastic. That doesn't plastic. have a physical jock in it, so it is not a double cut. Okay, so that brings us to the one that I am wearing, the Warrior. And you may be asking yourself, why is Kevin so small? We've been, we've tried our best to stay away from, like, Cam, you, you talked about bulk. I didn't laugh. I kept a straight face as you were using words like that, and you just couldn't keep it together, eh? Like, just mind like a child. Anyways, 
We'll let him gather his thoughts while I talk about this Warrior RX2, as you can see, intermediate. The reason it looks a little small on me is because Cam has completely sold out of the senior line. And I gotta say, one of the ones that you sold out was me purchasing one. I had a Warrior Cup for years. Um, when, when eventually the elastic wore on the, out on the waistband, I replaced it with this new Warrior model. Now again, has this extra layer on top of a cup underneath, but isn't technically considered a double cup. This is this one flirts the line a little bit more than even the Bauer Supreme there. We'll call it their, their deflector plate, uh, which really does do as advertised. That impact comes in, that plate shifts a little bit, so it's really helping to kind of deflect that impact away from your sensitive areas. Um, this has been a really great seller for us. The Warrior did really nail this really well with their jock. It's in quite a few NHL pro rooms. Yeah, I know, I know the one I used to have, the original model of this. It didn't need to change for years. It stayed the same. Uh, Ryan Miller here in Vancouver was a guy that wore that one religiously. Good example of one and a guy that's very in tune with his gear and knows protection. So there you go. Ryan Miller approved. Thank God he didn't hit me. Okay, last one. Uh, Jills, uh, do you, how many different models do you have? You brought out the Vapor here. How many different options do we got I there? believe we got three different options that I carry. I have a CCM one, I have a Vaughn one, and then this Bauer Vapor. Um, junior and senior sizes. Um, again, um, hey, girls gotta get protected too as well with their pelvic protectors. Here's a good goalie example with this Bauer one's been a good staple for us. We always uh, kind of chug through these uh, pretty easily. Um, not much really else to say about that one. But just, just, a, just a, I mean, again, just beyond what a player would wear, much like- Correct, like there's much more padding guy. density to this um, and the plate itself that is in there is quite a bit thicker than what you would find upstairs. Upstairs being the player's section. Um, all right, okay. So I uh, just wore a uh, extra small jock on purpose and uh, we managed to make it almost through the entire segment without you acting like Beavis and Butthead skit. Um, you know, most of our audience is probably too young to know what Beavis and Butthead is, which is dating us anyways. Let's just call it quits there, we survive. Cam, if they got any more questions about which model's gonna fit them, about what, you know, like you said, sizes, junior, senior, true double cup not a true double cup where can they get a hold of you other than checking them out at the hockey shop.com where can they get you in person 604-589-8299 and if they're calling from international maybe down on the other side of the border because a lot of these products will ship 1-800-567-7790 perfect Yeah, Beavis and Butthead. I, you guys, I, they are two of my heroes. I know I know that's not shooting very high, but those guys make me laugh. I, I saw so, them on a promo the other day, and, and I just started giggling. So, so you know that, like, like it, it, you know, we hear a lot from parents that listen to this podcast driving with yeah. their young goalies to the rink, and the, the, par the parents are all laughing, and all the kids are like, what are you, what are you what laughing? Is that? What the hell Don't are you like talking about, Tad? What are you giggling about? What's a Beavis? What's a, I know what a butthead, but what's a Beavis? So yeah, we had a little fun there, and uh, you know, Cam was actually just quite grateful that uh, for those that, that follow along and watch our uh, video segments, um, I'll, I'll I'll save you looking for the comedy moment there. Um, sadly, I did not take the opportunity to do any cup checks on Cam during that segment. No, no future cams were hurt in the filming of this segment. <laughs> that that warrior jock, it is it is a tank. Yeah, it's what it's what I wear. Um, 
and uh, it's what I've worn for a while, and I, I really like it. It's interesting that it's not you know technically classified as a double cup, but to me, it's got all the protection you need, and I'm not alone. I know Ryan Miller here, when he was here in Vancouver, uh, that's a model that he wore and still wears in Anaheim. So yeah, it's, it's one of the ones I like, but it was interesting to walk through them. You don't think about it. You find one you like and you stick with it, but there were actually a couple other options that I think... Um, you know, in terms of fitting with the pants and, and having a little more padding up around the belly, depending on how you wear your pants. Like I actually was thinking as, as I looked through them, like there are different features and different, you know, fits and different. And there was a that, couple, I, yeah, a couple, yeah, a couple that I was like, yeah, you know what? Like, you know, when, when I'm wearing the pants a little loose, cause let's be honest, I had a few too many Christmas dinners and they're still sticking around. Um, it'd be nice to have a little protection there down below the, the chest protector and, in, in, in sort of that lower abdominal area the end of february yeah i mean hey i mean like what can i say i i'm, I'm still blaming christmas I gotta blame something and for all this extra weight i need to cut that part off mine just so it'll fit with my belly there it just folds right over in two anyway so <laughs> i just i have to create a little petition here on behalf of uh all women named jill to change the name of the female protector because my wife is jill and when she took up goaltending shortly after we met, um, you know, the name of that protective piece was, uh, she wasn't too excited about that. <laughs> I, I, I'll sign that, uh, that petition for her. Okay. Yeah. We got to come up with a new name. Anybody who's smarter than we are, let us know. Jill's, Jill's my favorite Hutch. I think she's uh, Woody's favorite Hutch. Uh, no no sure. offense to Matt. Unless you name well, one. He could be second and I can come in just behind Doug. It's fine. <laughs> Unless you have another kid, name him Jock. Uh, our Centarena yes. VR feature interview of the week is Laurent Brossois of the Edmonton Oilers off to a nice start. Uh, three wins in his first four decisions. Remember, it's uh, you look back, he broke in with the Oilers after like a stellar junior career with the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, he came up the, through that system in that, uh, in that environment. But he's really enjoyed his his greatest success uh, when he went over to Winnipeg and established himself as a full time National Hockey Leaguer. Woody, yeah, he's having a hell of a run, and it's really fun. And you'll hear him talk about this. Um, I will say this: the upside of this schedule, uh, as much as you know, this this is not ideal for anyone. But we're seeing teams like, for example, here in Vancouver, come in for well, the Jets. were here for two games and and, and almost four days, three practices. And so you get to watch them day in and day out. And that doesn't happen when teams are recycling, coming through town, like one stop and gone, one stop and gone. So you get to watch them practice and spend a few days here. And the interplay between Brassois and Hellebuck and Wade Flaherty, the conversations on the ice, and we talk about that with Adam Francilia later in our second feature interview, um, just, you know, and then you hear Brassois talk about sort of the evolution of his game, the understanding of and how much he loves that, you know, that back and forth where they're kind of comparing notes and the similarities between their games, which uh, I asked Paul Maurice about after Brassois shutout win here in Vancouver and how easier that is for a team to play in front of guys who play similarly. Like one guy's not chasing the play all over the place outside of the crease and the other guy's playing deep. Like there's a structure to their games that, as Maurice said, like it's not just the saves they make, but the way pucks come off them, where they leave rebounds. Like there are some similarities in style that tie into foundation similarities in their approach that actually benefit the Winnipeg Jets because of how it plays out on the ice. So just a fascinating few days with the Jets, with Brassois, and and very kind of him to give us 15 minutes to sort of catch up on all those elements before he left town. And Hutch, the feature interview brought to us by Sensorina VR. 
And uh, I don't know if Laurent Brassois has tried since Arena yet, but uh, there's a guy, as you listen to this interview, who the details in his game and working on those subtleties are so important to him, and I really respect everything he was saying there. And our folks at Sense Arena will really help you tidy up your game because it is such a realistic simulation of what we're experiencing on the ice. Um, and if you want to know what that's like, we really strongly encourage you, go to ingoldmag.com, check out the webinar that we did with them just over a week ago, and you will get a feel for what it's like to use Sense Arena because fairly early on, we run a little video where we show you what's exactly going on in the headset as you first walk onto the virtual ice, as you take some shots in a warm-up drill, as you face a video shooter uh, versus the simulated shooters they have in the game, the two different options. We show you some of the um, cognitive drills that are available inside Sense Arena. You can get a real feel uh, through this webinar and through listening to Eric Comrie talk about his experiences as an NHL goaltender using Sense Arena, you can get a real feel for what it's like. And I know it's a big commitment to to get involved with Sense Arena and start using it in your training. So you want to use this as a great opportunity to really evaluate what you're, what it's capable of for you and your game. And you know our experience has been nothing but positive. Uh, working with Sense Arena translates to what you're doing on the ice. And Eric Comrie said the very same thing. You know, use it in the morning, and your tracking is on in the afternoon on the ice. Uh, you know, for me, that's enough said. It's another tool that you can put into your game, just like having a goaltending coach uh, examine the game, see a save selection, see a goal that uh, beat you, and then you make the adjustments. Well, and Hutch did such a good job on the video of those presentations and, and hearing Eric sort of watch those videos and share his thoughts on it. I've had three pros, NHL contracted goaltenders, reach out since we launched it to ask for more information about starting to use it themselves. So I think that's a credit to the presentation, Hutch, because we've talked about it a lot, but I'd really recommend going and watching um, the webinar itself because it, 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 as much as you can never on a screen be brought into the environment, you're always watching it versus really feeling like you're inside of it. And Comrie talked about that well. It's as close as I've seen to, to sort of experiencing that. And clearly it's resonated you know, not just with other people that have, have bought in, but like NHLs, NHLers and other pros who are like, I am interested in this. So uh, credit to you and a high recommendation that everybody else goes and checks it out. Well done, Hutch. And you can't be at the rink all the time. You can't be on the ice 24-7. This helps you gain uh, some skills and uh, maintain some skills uh, when you're not inside that arena. Laurent Brossois is our feature interview brought to you by Sensorena VR, the Winnipeg Jet goaltender chatting with Kevin Woodley. So I'm just curious, what has been the toughest part of this season for you um, coming back after such a long break? And obviously you guys were in the bubble, but not necessarily playing games. That's a long time between games, LB. How How'd you get prepared for it? How'd you focus for it? And how has been the adjustment getting back up to speed? Well, I've had my fair share of experience now in the NHL with having to deal with long stretches of time without playing. So I've gotten, um, you know, to know the ins and outs of how to do that. And um, I think so far for me, it's just been um, having a super foundational routine and sticking to it. Um, and I think I've, I've created a one that I'm really happy with this year. Now, and uh, obviously like 
going games between starts is one thing, but going sort of 10 months is, is a whole nother thing. What was the focus in that sort of prolonged off season towards sort of not rebuilding, but sort of reestablishing or making sure that that foundation, and if you can share any details of what it is for you, um, making sure it's intact and keeping it intact through such a long stretch between, you know, NHL season. Um, a long stretch like that, it, I mean, it, it depends how you look at it. I mean, you can look yeah. at it like a long stretch uh, and you can get cold. Or you, For me, it was a really good opportunity to, to go back to the basics and, and really take my time to, to get the body as healthy as possible. I mean, uh, a season is pretty grueling. It's a, you know, a high impact, um, especially goaltending. It's high impact on your joints and whatnot. So there's a lot of wear and tear through a season. Whether you're playing or not, even in practices, it's pretty demanding. So, um, having that extra time was really nice to to get the the body to feel to feel good. Uh, I would say last season it didn't feel as good as it has in the past. So, uh, it was a good good uh, big chunk of time that allowed me to get get the body feeling good. And that's just obviously we know work with Adam Francilia. Is there anything you did different, or just went right back to work with him and? Did you have to do a lot of it over things like Zoom calls, or are you so dialed in with his, his program that you, you sort of know it and you don't need a lot of one-on-one time, whether it's in person in Kelowna or over a Zoom? Yeah, I'm I'm lucky enough now to have been working with him for long enough where um, it's pretty efficient. Our communication line is pretty efficient. He, you know, I'll, um, you know, have a pretty good idea of what I want. Um, based on my experience with the stuff that he gives me and my pick and choose, uh, the stuff that's been working for me and, and, you know, he'll, he'll add things here and take things out and I'll add things here. And, and we'll, we have kind of a good discussion on what, what's best for me. Uh, and now, uh, it's just kind of maintenance now. Um, there's just a lot of, uh, it took a while for us to figure out what, 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 uh, what needs, uh, what are the sort of things that, are required for me to be at my best. And uh, it's, it's nice to have been working with him for long enough that we kind of know that. And it's, it's, it's easy now. Now, are there any elements you can pull out of that? I remember when I, I texted him this summer, I was working on a story. We had a goalie that, you know, was talking about doing um, bar ballet as part of his, you know, dorsiflexion and improving some of his range of movement through his ankles. And I talked to Adam about Aldoa and I was curious which one of his students was, so I'd sort of gotten more into it. And, and he mentioned you like, is that, is Eldoa and Eldoa type movements for you? Is that, is that part of it? Not that it's a focus, but there's so many different things that you've been introduced to over the years. I'm just curious which ones you gravitate towards and why. Well, that's the beautiful thing when about, um, kind of technology and, and all the information that's out there nowadays. Um, there's a lot of innovative, um, you know, exercise based, whether it's for medical reasons or for just performance based reasons, there's so much out there that. Uh, that we have at our disposal, and uh, over the last five or six years, I've been I've been introduced to a lot of it. Like you said, and Eldo is definitely one of them. Um, I, I work Eldo in pretty consistently, um, and it's just a tool. Like there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of myofascial stretches that I do, um, and I, you know, I just pick and choose the ones that are, um, you know, kind of re- help me recover the most based on the the muscle complexes that I use the most. Uh, and the ones that need recovering the most. Um, and then, you know, I'll mix in some Aldoas and, and then I'll mix in, you know, some Feldenkrais and I'll mix in your, your regular typical workouts. So, 
um, all the things that I, I work into my routine now, um, if someone were to do it all, you know, at once, it would be pretty overwhelming. And, and it was for me at the beginning. Um, but now that I've, I've gotten enough experience with all of those things, I can pick and choose which things work best for me. Um, and it's, and it seems seamless now, which is, it took a while to get to, but, um, I'm feeling pretty good and, and pretty lucky to have so many different angles at my disposal. Watching you sort of get ready to play yesterday, at least in the morning skate and just sort of, you know, from bird's eye view up in the press box and not knowing who was going to start actually yesterday, not knowing at that point it was your turn. Just a lot of, you know, small crease movements, even when you're not in the crease. Um, and it looked like a lot of sort of just trying to, for lack of a better term on my end, not knowing what you were trying to do, looked like almost sort of, sort of set your stance, set your posture. How much has what you've done off the ice translated into what you're trying to feel and achieve on the ice? And is that a big part of your preparation, whether it's for a practice or a game? Yeah, I mean... Off the ice is kind of the activation portion and strengthening portion where um, you kind of have a, a chance to, I guess, just in simplest terms, get certain muscle groups prepared and, and, and strong and, and easily accessible um, for when you go on the ice. And then on the ice, you, you feel out kind of the technical aspects. And, and if you, you know, on, on, on the best of days when you activate properly, um, those those little feel out movements that you're referring to when you're kind of trying to feel out the, the your your stance and and each movement pattern you you want to be readily available when you when you go and try to perform it and you know the better your your activation is the the more seamless and and immediate those muscles fire and and so yeah when I'm on the ice preparing and whatnot it's kind of feeling out all the all the different movement patterns that I'm going to see in a game. Uh, so that when it, when each one is called upon, it's there's no hesitation. Now, is that routine change at all from day to like from game to game or or practice to practice in terms of getting ready before say practice starts, or um, do you just kind of feel it as you go? Because I, I mean, I kind of watched it from a distance, and you know, a lot of like, start t pushes, shuffles, recovery, sort of a different pattern. Um, when I watch other goalies, a lot of times on a game day, they're, they've got a, you know, a shot where it's all about shots, taking shots and a certain routine for shots, but yours seem to be a lot about, like you said, those movement patterns, does it change or is it the same? Have you got a nice little routine that you work on? Um, so my routine, I have a, I have a routine that I stick to, especially off the ice. I would say my routine is, is more, um, consistently structured and then on the ice, um, just because it's harder to have a consistent routine with our schedule, uh, each practice start, especially when you're on the road, you don't have as much time. Um, you don't have any time before the skate to get out there early and, and do the routine that I would normally do at home. But when I'm on the ice, I have kind of a, a general outline of, of movement patterns that I want to get through and feel. Uh, and I keep it pretty open in terms of, you know, if one, if one movement pattern feels, you know, good right away and it's firing and, uh, then I'll just move on to another. And if if one feels a little sticky and, and feels a little off, then I kind of like, I sit with it and kind of work through it or I'll come back to it um, until until it feels good. And obviously, um, you're never going to feel 100%. Not every single movement is going to feel, you know, perfect every time. So if I come back to it enough times and, and it's not, then you just kind of play with what you're given. And I, I in, in my opinion, uh, at least in my experience, when I'm preparing, 
I like to I like to make sure I prepare all my movement patterns first. Because um, in my experience, you, you track the puck better when when your when your body's firing too subconsciously, and and, uh, and you don't have to think about your movements. And so if I, if I'm moving well and I'm able to get into position without any hiccup, then the the quick trigger, the quick reaction comes naturally, uh, and I the, the picture and my reads come much clearer. That makes that makes a ton of sense. One little one that I noticed in the corner was almost like a little square. You're just like circle would almost be. It's just four quick movements in like a diamond pattern off in the corner of the rink where everything else is going around. Is that just another example of one of those little movement patterns that you've worked into your routine? Is yeah, if I'm feeling good, it's a couple. If I'm not, I'll do a couple more. Right. Yeah. No, that's just kind of like a an efficient way of doing it. You know, it's a similar rotation. You know that what we. 45 degree rotation or whatever it would be in a box to create a box. Uh, you can kind of just go around in circles and instead of, you know, going the length of the ice or whatever, being in a crease, being kind of limited to, to only going, you know, using the one half of the crease, but um, gives the other players an opportunity to use the, the net while I'm doing my thing that doesn't necessarily need shooters. So it's kind of just an efficient way to do it. Love it. Love it. Um, I'm going to let you go. Cause I know you got lots on the go here. Um, I did want to ask you real quick, like how tough is it this year when you're playing the same team over and over again? And I had to ask, uh, there was a sequence on the power play last night where just uh, Brock Besser skating downhill at you and he makes a cross ice pass to Elias Pettersson. And then I couldn't help but notice at the end of practice today, you and Connor almost working a two-on-one drill with a pass or shoot option that almost felt the same. Like, are you guys trying to look at situation-specific stuff and integrate it into your practices in such a unique season where you might see the same play every, you know, one night to the next, especially on a power play? Yeah, when we get a, you know, a block of time, especially for me, I have more practice time, obviously, than than Helly. So when I get in the net, and, and it's usually when I get beat on something or, or if I, you know, make a save that I think could be a bit cleaner, and it's... A, situation that happens consistently enough um i usually uh myself and flats try to create a drill that replicates it the best the best way possible and um, we usually go as simple as possible and then kind of add a bit more of a dynamic element to it as we as we perfect the simple version of it um and what you were watching was kind of um, a later progression it didn't start out with a, a player moving uh, and able to pass or shoot. It's kind of, you just do the pass first and just to get the movement down and whatnot. And, and so that was a, that was a movement pattern that I've been working on personally, uh, over the last, uh, couple weeks now, um, because I'm pretty sure one of my first two games, there was a play that I got, um, me and Helly got beat on because we kind of locked onto the shooter a little bit, a little bit heavy, and, and then weren't able to get across on a back door. So, um, so I'm pretty sure that save that I made on that power play was was the result of having worked on something very similar. So I'm pretty thankful that I, we put the work in to do that. And then yeah, we were just we were just kind of doing some maintenance stuff, uh, even though you know it, it looks like that part of my game is is feeling good. It's always good to to touch on it to maintain it. Oh, that's fantastic stuff. I wasn't sure if I was reading too much into it, but when I watched that save, and it was a hell of a save, and then watched you guys working on it, I had to ask. Listen, there's so much more I could ask you about. Watching you and Heli practice and how much fun you have, but how much you guys also talk about things, you know, watching you look, it's like you're looking at each other's balance and hands. 
There seems like a really incredible relationship there. Um, if I could leave it off on that one, how much do you guys, like how much of this is a partnership in terms of discussions about the position? I know how much passion you guys have for it where you're, you're really comparing notes out there. Oh, absolutely. I think that's my favorite part about being on this team uh, is the relationship Helly and I have built. We discuss everything and every anything and everything. And it's such a healthy relationship. We respect each other's games, but we play so different. Um, but there's so many things that I can learn from him and hope that he can learn from me. Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of things that he's perfected in his game that, um, that he does far different than I do, but better than I do. So, um, we're always talking, I'm always asking him questions and, and he asks, he respects my, my opinions enough to ask me questions and whatnot. And we, I think both become way better because of it. All right, LBO, I'll let you go. Uh, I wanted to just say thanks. Uh, it's fun to watch you every time you come into Vancouver. Uh, as a guy who's from Vancouver, I know a lot of my friends and family who are Canucks fans can't, they get a little nervous every time you come into town because the results have been pretty stellar, but it sure was fun to watch in person last night. So thank you very much for the time. No, thank you, Kevin. For a guy who had the all-world junior career, he had to earn his stripes. He had to uh, grind through it uh, the first few years, and he's really found a significant home backing up a Vesna Trophy winner and has a great relationship uh, going there with the Winnipeg Jet coaching staff uh, and Wade Flaherty. And it's it, there, there's something happening. But he, he, like he, he works his way around the world. He just doesn't, uh, you know, one little thing. Takes, takes a piece from here, piece from there, uh, all the way around, including to our – we have a double feature this week. On our, on our interviews with Adam Francilia, who has that relationship with Laurent Brossois. Yeah, and we just thought it would be perfect. We'd been sort of chit-chatting with Adam about getting him on the podcast. He's in San Jose, and like a lot of these guys, there's, there's some downtime there when into the evenings when you can't leave the hotel room. And um, so it, it just made perfect sense. Uh, you know, LB's interview wasn't, you know, we didn't, give the, we didn't give him the Kevin Woodley hour and a half treatment. Um, so we had a little extra time for this episode and it made sense to have uh, Adam on because he's been a big part of it. And when you heard LB talk about sort of that relationship with Connor and that back and forth and that sort of, you know, working together, feeding off each other, bouncing ideas, um, I know that's a big part of sort of the evolution of the, the, the relationship with his trainer, Adam Francilia. And so it was a chance to sort of ask, him about some of those things and also a chance to ask, you know, how he's managing. Wait till you hear the, you know, the one degree of Adam Francilia story involving waiver claims and four different goaltenders that are all his clients, all basically tied to one transaction and all with their futures up in the air and all ending up requiring quarantines and time in hotel rooms and unique ways to train. So it just made sense to have Adam on now to talk about that, to talk about LB uh, and tie all these things together. Adam Francilia with the San Jose Sharks, but a whole much more. It's uh, the double feature on In Goal Radio, the podcast, the feature interview brought to you by Sensorina VR. Welcome back to the program, Adam Francilia, um, goaltender, trainer, extraordinaire i don't know how we introduce you like what, what what's the title actually what's the title with the san jose sharks what's the official title with the san jose sharks we should mention that i always talk about all the different client clients the nhl guys that we talk to and see you work with but what's the official title down there in san jose 
Paul, thanks, Kev. Great to be on the show. Um, that's a great question. The, the Sharks uh, refer to me as a, a goaltending consultant. Um, I, had, I don't really know what I am, to be honest with you. I, I, I struggle with that, uh, with putting a title on it. I think the closest thing that probably makes sense is, uh, you know, is a, is a long-term development coach because obviously what we do uh, together, you know, uh, with my client, my clients and I, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty multifaceted, you know, and obviously, you know, there's the off ice uh, that, you know, has a lot of carryover and what we do, as you know, to the actual on ice, you know, technicalities of the game. And then there's the on ice aspect, but then there's a, you know, a whole bunch of, you know, holistic health and wellness and the mental emotional part. And, and, and boy, oh boy, if there was ever a season that uh, the mental emotional part and having somebody there um, to, you know, come alongside of you was important. Uh, it's sure this one. Well, I, I guess like putting a label on it would be like when we say he's a butterfly goaltender or he's quote unquote athletic, right? Like goalies hate that. Mm -hmm. So why would we put a label on your work? That's perfect. Um, <laughs> listen, we don't want, we had, uh, we had one of your clients, Lauren Brassois on the show uh, with you this week, uh, not together, but obviously on the same segment, but I don't want to put you in a spot to sort of, you know, ask about specific guys. Cause there's, uh, you know, there's, there's just some things we don't want to, we don't want to cross there in terms of, you know, some of the specific work. So I wanted to ask you a more general question, um, with all your clients, um, how you're managing that, how you're helping guys manage this season, the uniqueness of it, whether it's, you know, like I think you've got like four or five clients that have gone through quarantine. Some of them have, that have gone multiple times across the border. Uh, I think of Eric Comrie's had two two-week quarantines in Vancouver, or sorry, in, in Canada, another one going to New Jersey. Grossnick, we've had him on the podcast, you know, talking about the workouts he does in his hotel room. Um, but these guys are in spots sometimes. And even when they go on road trips for 10 days, 14 days, like it's rink hotel. The most they can do is a walk. Like there's not much they can do. They're stuck in hotel rooms for long periods of time. So can, can you give me some ideas? Cause there might be some kids out there too that are, Hey, I can't get to the gym. I can't do this. Like how have you managed this with your clients and any good examples of ways that you find to sort of, you know, stay on top of what they need to physically and maybe emotionally and mentally amid such trying times? Well, for sure. You know, I'll, I'll start it with a, probably a kind of a bit of a funny story here that, that I think ties in, uh, four of my clients into the same story. And, uh, just to give you an idea of what players and more specifically goaltenders, just because of the challenges with, you know, waving and, and, and roster spots and whatnot. And, and the goaltenders certainly are feeling uh, that uh, that challenge? I think more than any other position this year. I think we've we've seen that clearly. So, for example, um, you know, you had so one of my guys that I I've been working with uh, started this off season was Mike Smith. Mike Smith, uh, as everybody remembers, you know, had a little tweak uh, that he was dealing with that um, just hampered him starting the beginning of the season. You know, it wasn't a game related thing or, or any, even hockey related. It was just a, you know, stretch related thing. So he goes down. Uh, and so I'm working with him, you know, obviously in addition to the great Edmonton staff there, uh, but I'm working with him to, you know, try to help him uh, accelerate his healing process while at the same time, uh, Troy Grosnick, who's another one of my guys gets, uh, has to be put on waivers. Uh, he gets claimed by the Oilers. Now he's, he has a couple day trip 
to drive up uh, to Edmonton. So we're dealing with uh, hotel workouts. Uh, but he, he gets told to stop, right? And every kind of a lot of people know that story. He gets told to stop before the border because there's a chance that the uh, Oilers are going to make a claim on another one of my clients, Aaron Dell, from, from Toronto because Toronto had to waive him. And so Deller is in a holding position where we have to, you know, basically take what he's got in his hotel room, which is nothing, just him. We have to put a schedule together. Uh, based on the potential amount of days that he might have to wait. All the while, uh, my fourth client, Eric Comrie, who's in New Jersey, uh, obviously was is keeping uh, keeping you know paying attention to this because knowing that there's a chance that New Jersey, who did in fact put a claim on Aaron Dell, and so now uh, Combs is in a situation in New Jersey where now he can no longer be with the team, uh, but has to be in his hotel room with no equipment. So I had the four guys that were involved in this narrative were all clients of mine, and I'm working simultaneously with each one of those guys. So you know that's that was you know boy that's a first. <laughs> for well, me, there's right? been a lot. Well, there's been a lot of firsts in this you know during these times, the COVID and and with the challenges of bubble and so how do you how do you manage it like like how much of it is you know also being in here for these guys but how do you you know give me an example of how you manage the hotel workouts like how are guys managing to sort of he said, these guys are, you know, like a guy like Eric, he comes mm-hmm. out of that quarantine, he gets a shot in short order and, you know, mm-hmm. he hasn't had a lot of shots and he, and he did really well with it. But, you know, you got to stay prepared for those moments. You can't just sit in the hotel and watch Netflix for eight hours a day. That's right. No. Um, so, you know, what I do is <clears throat> I have a whole uh, series of uh, goaltending specific workouts that I've created that require nothing but body weight. And, and they're very effective. You know, a lot of people have a hard time sometimes, uh, you know, thinking that, you know, non, uh, weight related or, or equipment related workouts are, you know, are kind of just kind of a second rate workout. But if you really, you know, understand what you're doing and you're able to challenge the individual with, with, uh, uh, complexity of, of exercise of nervous system complexity, and you're able to put the workout together in, in a way that, um, you know, makes the most out of those exercises you're able to use, then they are very, very effective. And, and, you know, for guys to be able to just have, so they can go on, I use Dropbox. I have a file that, you know, I populate with just body weight workouts. And sometimes, you know, when we see guys like, you know, like, like Dell, like, like Grossnick, like, uh, Comrie who are with teams, you know, again, you know, Eric went back to the jets again. And, you know, he, their teams are able to, at you know, times drop, you know, limited equipment off, but, you know, a piece of equipment, whether it's a Swiss ball or some adjustable dumbbells or whatever, you know, that opens up a whole, you know, new world. So they can go into the Dropbox and I have categorized workouts that, that basically can use as little or as much as they're able to get their hands on. And then from there, we're able to communicate you know daily or every other day and we're able to actually get a schedule and a timetable and i think one of the big things for these guys who sort of get thrown into the you know to the abyss of a hotel quarantine to be able to have a a time where they they know that they're going to work out at this time they know what they're going to do it gives them the semblance of a schedule and what that does for their mental emotional state is is tremendous you know especially when we tie that in with you know phone calls and, and even zoom workouts, you know, in quarantine, you know, uh, you know, well, all the guys, but comms and I, you know, we, 
we, uh, you know, we, we jump on zoom workouts, you know, every, every little bit when our schedules work out and we're able to just spend that time together, you know, a few times here and there. And just that interaction is really, really helpful. And they sort of feel like they connected with the outside world. They, they, they got something in that was very, very productive and meaningful uh, for their, you know, position specifically. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's really helped guys get through. I was going to say the, uh, I mean, they're so regimented in their lives, right? Especially in season, right? Like it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. practice at this time, uh, game at this time, morning skate, dinner at this time, team meetings at this time. Like everything is sort of that day to day is outlined for them. So mm-hmm. losing that for eight days or 14 days, depending on which way you're quarantining or in comms case, he had a, he had a COVID, you know, close contact quarantine too. Like that. I, I never thought about the sort of, you know, mental, emotional challenge of losing that and how important a workout could be. Do you see like some similarities to, there's probably some similarities to kids or, you know, you know, frankly, you know, even Joe public guys like myself, like the challenges of this time, sort of finding that time, creating that time, creating that schedule um, and making it sort of, you know, productive and position focused, how, how big that could be for everyone. Well, I think too, you know, one thing that, uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, for fun, I, you know, cause I'm in a hotel room too, you know, so I'm experiencing it. I'm, I'm in San Jose right now. Uh, you know, I came down here, uh, I had to do a seven day quarantine. So, you know, I'm in my hotel room now. I drove, uh, which was nice because I was able to bring a little bit of a mini gym with me, uh, you know, and, but at the same time, you know, I, I did challenge myself one day to see if I could, uh, you know, put my version of, uh, a slide board, a goal, a goalie slide board workout together without a slide board. And, uh, as you know, I, 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 I thought after I'd finished the actual workout, I actually thought, you know what, I'm going to put a couple little clips together just for fun, uh, and just send them to a couple of close friends. And of course, you know, you and Hutch, uh, were, were a couple of those guys. And you know what, I, I, I did it because I wanted to show my guys that number one, you don't, need anything uh, other than a bit of creativity and imagination and then for me obviously it was a you know a set of booties and a, and a and a couple knee pads but anything that anybody could put in a backpack or or whatever the case may be and so number one i wanted to show them that you know the old guy was uh was still was still doing it in the hotel room and and not taking days off but i also wanted to show them what was possible and so you know i sent that to you and and you know what kev you know feel free to if you want, you know, on, on the understanding that, uh, anybody looking at it realized it wasn't made for production value. Um, but you know, I think if it can help, you know, if you can even post something like that, I mean, it's, it's good for a laugh, but I also think for, you know, we look at some of these major junior kids that are potentially going back and they're going to be in these hotel rooms or even, you know, who knows what they're going to be staying in. And, and for, especially for a goaltender, because to simulate those movement patterns and to stimulate the musculature that that really needs to constantly at this time you know be activated uh you know to show them that hey there is something you can actually do uh in a very limited space and with a little bit of creativity so you know you can go ahead if you want and and post that video and and i mean if it it can if it can help give some people ideas uh, especially some of our young goaltenders or some of our not so young goaltenders then you know, there could be some value in it for the, for the members. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned, uh, Mike Smith, uh, another mm-hmm. new client this summer was, uh, well, probably before the summer, but Matt Murray, uh, who's now mm-hmm. in Ottawa. 
And again, without getting into the specifics of each guy, I wondered because obviously you're trying to get them to a certain place in terms of range of movement and, and ability to move and sort of patterns of movement in terms of how you trigger movement and, and reaction time and things like that. But they all come from such unique backgrounds, um, both technically in terms of how they've thought of movement in the past and how they've tried to move as goaltenders in the past and also physical limitations like, you know, like I don't know what Mike Smith's are, but he's, he's an older goalie. Um, versus some of the younger guys what like what can you without giving specifics on on either guy because again they, they, there's there's enough clients here that just talk in general terms and we won't give specifics but the idea of a transformation like i know you want to get them to a certain point but how do you find that starting point and and get them like how does that take shape uniquely and i'm guessing uniquely within each one sure for sure i think i think you know when i when i watch a goaltender play um, you know, I mean, obviously I watch so many goaltenders play that sometimes when they become clients, I sort of already have a book on them, uh, in my mind. And then when I do start assessing, you know, clips and everything, I do look at sort of, you know, I've said it before, kind of beneath the gear to see what's going on physiologically. And, and when I start working with somebody that's, that's whether it's brand new, like, uh, you know, like, a Mike Smith this year, or a Matt Murray, or even just, you know, guys that I've had for years, like, uh, you know, like a Lauren Bassois or Connor Hellebach or Devin Dubnik or any of those guys, you know, James Reimer, whatever. Um, you know, there's always transformation that goes on because you know, number one, you know, no matter how long someone's been in the game, it's not only, so, so for me, it's not only the ability to make them physically capable of continuing to play the position. It's also making them relevant to goaltending as we find it today. And so there's a, there's, that's sort of a multi-layered thing. You know, we, we want to be able to, you know, obviously goaltending, it's basically a chess match, right? It's a chess match between the guys who want to put the puck in the net versus the guys who want to keep the puck out of the net. And just when one of those, uh, those opponents thinks they have something new, the other, the other guy's job is to figure out how they can, you know, counteract that and, and find something that offsets it. So you know, again, without getting specific to maybe, you know, one particular, you know, goaltender and, and, and too many details, the whole thing that I look for is, you know, where are the imbalances in someone's game? So for example, you know, and you know, some of the, some of these examples could be useful, you know, goaltenders, obviously, you know, seemingly they have to be, you know, quite mobile and flexible guys, but there's guys that are, have actually joint, joint limitations that their bodies have done a great job of, uh, modifying their movement patterns, um, you know, creating some cheats that have worked very, very well, but at the same time, it creates an imbalance. Any, anything that your body can't do and your brain has to create a modification for, it does take away from, uh, a, a balanced approach. And of course, no goalie should, or, or be, expected to, you know, we're not, we're not creating cookie cutters or robots. I mean, that's the worst thing we can do. So, you know, you look at a guy like Mike Smith, um, you know, there were some things we wanted to do to create more balance in the game, but you can't take the Smitty out of the game. You know, I mean, that's one of the things that's made him number one successful and, and given him the longevity, you know, that he's, that he has. Um, so, you know, so you have some goaltenders also on the other end of the spectrum that are, that actually have quite a lot of joint hypermobility. And, and, and on the, you know, on the surface, that sounds like it should be really, really good because, you know, that gives a goalie, you know, maybe more range or more flexibility, but 
but you know we were talking at some point previously and i and i gave the example of uh, a, a goalie that has joint hypermobility there are some challenges that come along with that and i'll use an illustration that i, I think i shared with you uh, somebody that has normal joint mobility normal joint function normal joint range it's like if you were to take a, a drinking straw a straw put it straight up in the palm of your hand and try to balance the paper plate on top of it when you when you your when your hand reacts to try to create balance you know through the straw and the paper plate that reaction is instantaneous to that plate so what you the message you send gives an instantaneous reaction to the the result you're trying to produce now someone with joint hypermobility it's it's sort of the sim, similar to you know the the drinking straws that bend right the bendy straw so it would be similar to putting that in your hand and having a paper plate on top and being and but having the challenge of that extra movement so your reaction in your hand doesn't instantaneously translate to the effect on the plate to balance so in essence you know it's almost like the springs aren't loaded tight enough to get the response that you're hoping for when you when your brain decides to elicit that response so, so sometimes there's a, delay. Can, there's a delay there's a delay that that can see, to seem to make somebody slow uh which it isn't slow the 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 message was actually sent at the exact same time as anybody else but the manifestation of that movement or reaction seems to have you know have been delayed somewhat because of the uh the kind of the superfluous that extra movement through the joint so when you have somebody like that and i think it's important you know especially for young goaltenders to identify you know if there is a little bit of joint hypermobility you know you know looking to you know understand you know kind of what i've just explained and you know maybe uh you know whether it's looking for help with uh you know somebody that can understand that or or just being conscious of it but you know there's things you have to do for an athlete for a goaltender like that that actually uh would seem to be you know um contraindicated for another goalie like if you know i do have a couple goalies that are hypermobile and you know one of the things that we greatly had to modify and cut out in some cases was you know certain types of stretching um because so, so not, you had to tell these guys not to stretch as much not to stretch as much or in the traditional way that we think of stretching because now you're just going to continue to destabilize this thing that is slightly less stable than we that we want at the outset so of course there's you know and now you know w whether it's things like you know, I think, you know, like Aldoa, which is obviously something that, you know, uh, LB, you know, has, has really embraced and, and, and I use with, with all of my guys, you know, it's such a great, uh, it's such a great modality. So whether it's Aldoa or whether it's, you know, different trigger points or, or there's a whole slew of things, there's a lot of ways to allow a hypermobile goaltender to maintain joint health, to maintain tissue health, to, to help in restoration and recovery, but at the same time, not you know, further, uh, destabilizing an already slightly unstable frame. So that's just one thing where you were talking about, you know, there's, because there are fundamental constants that we want to try to achieve with goaltenders that, that seem to remain true across the board, but there is a large degree of individuality that we have to understand as well. All right. Last one. We'll tie it back to LB because you mentioned Aldo and that was something he talked about with, with our interview with him, but you know, guys that are new, Matt, um, Mike, 
then you got guys like you said, like LB that have been around, uh, Brassois who's been with you for so long. When I talked to him, he seemed to just have this, he really knew his foundation. And as much as you guys are communicating all the time and there is a constant evolution, what's it like to, like how rewarding is it to see a guy who just reaches a level where he understands, like he understands his game on the ice for sure, but also seems to have a real intimate understanding of the physiology behind it and how he gets to that point. Uh, Like he said, like he goes out for a game, everybody else wants shots. Like he's all about sort of, movement and and his stance and his setup and the tracking and the shots will all all flow from that in his mind it was it was really interesting to hear that and must be somewhat rewarding um for you to have a guy that sort of comes to that type of awareness oh it's it's incredibly you know rewarding and it's also you know tremendous amount of you know how, how proud you are of somebody you know when you when you've started to work with somebody and you know Laurent really really started to understand really early on that, you know, to become a student of oneself and to try to really get to understand your own self. And, and I think, you know, one of the, where we find him now and, you know, and our dialogue, you know, because he is such a, uh, has become an expert on himself, the dialogue is incredibly rewarding because his level of sophistication of understanding who he is, uh, and, and, and I'll tell you, you know, one thing that I've really appreciated with, uh, you know, players and, and, and goaltenders that have been able to reach this level and, and stay there and continue to get better is the only way that you can learn about yourself is to be incredibly self-honest. And that's something I think that I, I, I would like to, you know, challenge a lot of our young guys that are, that are up and coming. I think to to have a an honest critique of oneself is the only way you're going to really learn about yourself to not make excuses to to be somebody that can that can critically think about about oneself is important and one of the things that you know LB's done so incredibly well is to be able to be very self-honest because that's the only way that you can understand you know what what challenges you may have, what areas that you need to improve in and, and not, you know, not be defensive about it. So he's done a tremendous job of that. And then, and for us to be able to dialogue at a, at a high level, because he's able to think and dialogue at a high level, the, the, the ideas, the questions, the, you know, just running things, you know, past each other. And it's a two-way conversation. It's, it's really, really great. And that's why He's continued to improve and improve and improve, but I love the ownership that he has of his, his game. And quite honestly, you know, without getting too deep into it, I mean, into his life, uh, he's, he's becoming a, uh, just, he's such an interesting, uh, interesting guy. He has such a depth to his character. And now you're starting to see that translate over into the maturity that's coming into his game. So yeah, of course it's, it's incredibly, uh, you know, it's incredibly rewarding to, you know, have a relationship with somebody like that where you just see them, you know, just grow. And, uh, well, it's been, yeah, I was just going to say it's, it's been, uh, it was funny to watch him or fun to watch him because as you're talking about the conversations, one of the things he talked about in the interview was his favorite part of the jets is him and Helly having what from the 400 level you know, media area that I'm from as I'm watching them, like they, they, and Flats would be in on it. Wade Flaherty, the goalie coach, like group discussions. And you can see them sort of mimicking things with their hands and hand position and body movement. 
as they all sit around in a circle and just talk goaltending. At times, like there was one, they had to be 10 minutes out there just talking about it. So uh, obviously the similar type of conversations, that's awesome to hear another one of your clients as well. And they all seem to be getting on the same page and understanding Mm -hmm. each other and their own game. So hey, friend, I know you got to run, but thank you so much for the time this morning. Uh, we'll take you up on that offer, I think, to, to post a video and get some comments from you on it. So people look for that at Ingold Premium in the next little bit. Um, this has been awesome. Perfect compliment to having LB on. We appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me on, Kevin. It's always a pleasure. Nice to talk to you. In a, in a couple of years, maybe, maybe you'll have to do it sooner than that. We'll have to come up with the, the, the top three drills or stretching routines or whatever that uh, came out of the the covid pause and being quarantined because there's got to be some that that came out of it beyond just uh doing your your regular stretch moving the furniture around and 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 such or doing doing the slide board in the bathroom is a a perfect example yeah no there's there's probably going to be a whole bunch and and as adam said and we've seen this hey maria mountain's done this as well and talked about this like you know she shares exercises uh on her channels and her social media like hey you don't you don't need a $25,000 gym um, to do mobility drills, to do exercises, to, to sort of stay in goalie shape. Um, and so nice to sort of hear that, that that translates all the way up to the National Hockey League and how these guys are managing that. And there's lessons there, I think, for young kids that, you know, if you're lamenting, hey, I can't get to my gym, I can't do this, and, and just woe is me and sitting at home worried about it, like, that's probably not the right attitude. There's a way to... Find, we talk about finding ways to get better um, when your usual ways aren't available to you. And I think the off-ice work you can do uh, that Adam talks about, that we've seen Maria talk about, is, is exhibit A of that. Is, is he talking to you or me when he's talking about uh, woe is me? Hutch? <laughs> There's, I don't know. We, a lot you of and I got a lot of woes. Like so we, we should be, be we should be guiding horses right yeah. now in a wagon. <laughs> Listen, let's be honest. Talk about myself. But you know what? Like I, I love... Yeah, I love seeing that though because I, we were actually on a on a team meeting last night, and we we're hearing from parents whose kids have come home. Well, you need to get me a gym membership. Well, no, you just need to have a little bit of a uh, little bit of creativity. And we've all, we also know from from Afran and we know from Maria that there's far more to off ice goaltending uh, training than going to the gym and getting jacked by lifting lifting big weights. In fact, it's quite counter counterproductive to do that. So. Love I want to, to know see from you guys out. in the next couple of weeks. Uh, who is the best, or give you maybe your top three um, going east west in, in the National Hockey League? Because we've talked so much about that. So uh, where where is that trend, and uh, and who do you guys see as uh, players that really excel in that regard? Oh, that's on. The- oh, oh no, I was going to I say next week. Next I paused week. there, sorry, uh, because I thought Woody wanted to jump in. Yeah. So I apologize. Okay, to- that's good. I mean, I I mit, I mit, never, never. I don't mean never, jump in. Never. Come on. Um, I'm glad you gave us a week. I was just going to yeah, say, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's going to be interesting because yeah. define I, what that means. Does it mean I can go 100 miles really fast or does it mean I play a style, hey, Mr. Mike Smith, where you only have to take two steps to cross the ice because you're standing on the goal? Yeah. Line? Well, I'll, look at, look, I'll think look about at the it names. A bit. Look at LB. Look at how efficiently and in one piece LB moves around the ice. Do we think of that as explosive and dynamic? No, but damn, is it effective? Um, and, and it's controlled and mm-hmm. it's efficient. Cal Peterson skating on the skates, right? Like here's, a, I'm just looking at guys that lead the league right now and kind of going back to that Dryden article, like Cal Peterson's all about everything on the skates and his patience on his edges amongst and the I top of goalies Mark in the Rory league. Make a, 
a Superman save last year and then this past week make a two-pad stack. Uh, so going with, with both ends and, and somehow making it work, which is different. Exactly. Most, in, most entertaining East-West. Yes, exactly. We'll have to have a subcategory. Uh, thanks to uh, everybody at Sense Arena, Sense Arena VR, and of course the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, Source for Sports Surrey. Reach out to them. Uh, for all of your goaltending needs, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll be on the site at the same time as you. I guarantee it. Uh, as uh, as I peruse uh, what Cam and the uh, the people have uh, going on over at uh, Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop dot com, and Source for Sports Surrey. Uh, thanks to uh, Adam Francilia. Thanks to of course uh, Cam Matquiv, and thanks to Lorraine Brassois for hanging out with us on In Gold Radio, the podcast. 